that's one of the first prayers. Maybe I felt something. Okay, so you didn't feel anything. So. Okay, guys, welcome back to this week's America show. I suppose the 52nd week I've said that, as today's our one year anniversary. To the day. To the day, yeah. America year one uh, is over. So it's been a fun ride, guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, we're going to take year two off, and we'll be back for year three. We're calling year two, we're calling year two Gray America. Yeah. Gray America. That's my year. <laughs> this is the summer of Graham. <laughs> Look out, guys. Here comes the summer of Graham. Spam the shit out of them. Uh, and we got RPJ joining us for this momentous occasion. How's it going, Red? Hey, guys. Glad to be here and celebrating our very first Grand American anniversary. The first of many, I hope. The first of at least one. <laughs> well, you know, they have to live uh, one day at a time. And I guess one Grand America season at a time. I can't believe how fast it's gone, really. It's, it's crazy to me. It's like a, mm. a, year, a year whirlwind. And it's, uh, it's been great. Hey, Darren, it's been really, like, it's gone smoother than I could ever expected and better than I could have wished. Yeah, it's been a good year. Good year. We got off to a great start. See if we can keep rolling with it. And find uh, 50 more people to chat with this year. Yeah, and I want to say special thanks to the listeners and the feedback we get. Because if, if we didn't get that, I, I, don't, I think it would be hard to, to continue. And of course, a big thanks to the guests and all that too, right? Yeah, and a big thanks to RPG, Jared, Jagger, all the guys that uh, chime in all the time throughout the year. And our new producer, Joey. Yeah, and all the mm-hmm. bloggers. Jared, 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 Justin, Sheila, Pat, O, Todd, Nigel. I think you got them all. Yeah. That's pretty good. How a roll, buddy. And, of course, check out the site. Check out the blogs. We've got some great bloggers writing for us. So, you know, you can get lost uh, on the page for a while reading blogs. Uh, shout out to Pat O uh, from, uh, I think, New, I think um, England somewhere. Our, our newest blogger to the team. 
He's got a new blog up there. Uh, you say you want a revolution. It's a good uh, read. Yeah, yeah, that is a good read. And fuck, Justin's latest one's really good too. Yeah. The infrasound one. Yeah. Did you hear that or something like that? That's yeah. a good. That's a good read. Ooh, I need to check that out. So, uh, how you been, Red? One year down. Do you have a favorite? Ooh, now that's a tough question. A favorite Grammarica episode. No, I couldn't really pinpoint one, only one uh, favorite, you know, I've, I've had several already, you know, um, uh, the one with uh, Dennis McKenna, that was really good, the one with uh, uh, with our friend uh, Grant, Grant Cameron. Cameron, yeah, that's also, that's that was also really special, and well, the one with Christopher Ryan, you know, that was such a, such a, an special, a very privileged uh, opportunity to have the, the chance to actually chat with him, you know, for what was it like uh, an hour and a half? Yeah, almost. Yeah, I mean, it's someone who have, I've been admiring for at least the past uh, year and a half, if not more, you know, and now you, you, you get to chance to, to direct your personal questions to him, uh, you know, over Skype. That that was that was really that was really interesting. Yeah. And so, what have been some of our uh, most popular episodes, Darren? Well, the uh, the most popular episode. This is this kills me. Is uh, psilocybus, America's psilocybus. Enter the mushroom. <laughs> That's number one. Um, closely <laughs> followed by Grant Cameron, and then Dennis McKenna. And then Jim Elvidge, I think. I've had okay. a lot of feedback lately about uh, about Don Easterbrook. Oh yeah, that one's been kind of taken off a little bit more and more. My mom actually liked that one too. Dr. She actually Don. made it through all the way, despite Please. the swearing. <laughs> we promise to polish our language uh, by the next year, my, uh, Graham's mom. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. So, <laughs> speaking of uh, listeners, we're to, another shout out to Justin's uh, fiance. He was mentioning last week that she's gone through almost every episode in the last couple of weeks. So that's wow. a trooper. She must say she must say this by now. So how much do we owe her? <laughs> so speaking of some of the back episodes, though, they're all free, right? And you can go back and listen to all of them. So uh, feel free to go back and check out some of the more popular ones yeah i think there's about a, a in around a hundred hours of uh of content there you can go back and check out and uh write uh write a review while you're there on itunes and also on stitcher right another uh platform uh, oh yeah we, and we never mention. even mentioned stitcher i don't think ever yeah. well, we, we should probably should yeah, yeah you can probably. listen on stitcher I don't really know. You don't. You listen on Stitcher, don't you, Red? Uh, I try to listen to Stitcher sometimes. It is convenient uh, when you are using a smartphone. It is very convenient because you can start listening pretty much instantly. You know, maybe the quality downgrades a bit, but it when it, when it is a podcast, you know, people uh, mostly people talking. It, it is quite bearable. I guess it depends on if you've got headphones on or if you're in the car with uh, it coming out of a stereo. 
Yeah, exactly. And um, 99, 99% of my time, I'm always listening with headphones. Yeah, yeah. So I've got some, some uh, interesting feedback and stuff if you guys want to get into it, Darren. Sure. Spam mm-hmm. gram oh. seems to be taking off. The gram spam. Let's look in the gram spam bag. So we got a we got an email from Charity who lives in the state of Montana. That's which is actually just south of us. And she was listening to our double header with Brad Burge and Ray Borges, and uh, that was right before she went to Emit Goswami. And she said these shows are great. Uh, she kept getting interrupted and having to start over uh, on Goswami's because she didn't want to miss anything. But she mm-hmm. says, "Why am I writing?" And she says, uh, "I pulled up the local newspaper while I was listening to." an interview with Goswami. It was random. I just had the thought. I wonder if anything interesting is going on in little old Helena. Um, normally she'd poke fun at her little small town because it's actually the capital of Montana. And it often has articles like, you know, cow struck by lightning or so-and-so wins the pie eating contest. <laughs> but she said today she appreciated the pigeon article that would have made news, wouldn't have made news in bigger cities. So as Goswami spoke of the quantum as creative waterways that become pools of possibility in our podcast. She read the story of a lost pigeon who found its child after flying 15 miles to a place it had never been. She got goosebumps. Yes. Pigeons are known for finding their way home. Hence homing pigeon. Yet this pigeon found its way to a person in a geo. Well, I guess it wouldn't be a person. It'd be a, another pigeon, right? in a geographical location it did not know. Then it behaved uncharacteristically, got attention, and was reunited. Its home seemed to be with its child. How did it find her? Oh, is it a child? It's actually like a child. I think it means, yeah, child or handler. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Uh, Is it tapped into the quantum? So she said, anyways, might be nothing, but it might be something. She thinks Darren would be hard on it as far as the synchronicity goes. A synchronicity? Her, she agrees with me that you're very stingy on the synchronicity points. Wow. <laughs> and she says, love our podcast. Keep up the good work. So thanks, Charity. That's awesome feedback. Yeah, 9.5. Oh, come on. <laughs> very profound. The pools, of, the pools of possibility and the homing pigeon? No, I don't even know if that's on the screen. I'll give it a... Or no, you know what? It's a celebration. It's a five. Oh, that's that's pretty good. That's more than she expected. <laughs> okay. Okay. So hey, I got I got a couple more for you. These are these are pretty good. Keep them coming. All right. Mm-hmm. So we got a, a another email from Brian Drummond, and he says uh, he's an avid listener. He loves our conversations on synchronicities. As far as my world view goes, I see the universe and all its contents time, space, matter, consciousness, etc., as being literally one thing. We see ourselves as separate from the car driving by or the couch we sit on simply due to our level of awareness. Mm-hmm. The reason I bring this up is because we think of synchronicities are uncanny connections between events that catch our attention. But I believe they're instead peaks in our awareness when we can more easily see that all things are one. <clears throat> so he says... Right. Uh, it's pretty cool because li- he listens to a lot of the same shows we do. And uh, he, he gave me some other good feedback that I want to talk about later. But he says he's got two for us here. I want to see. Synchronicity. <laughs> he says, let's see where they land on Darren's patented synchronicity meter. <laughs> okay. We need a jingle. Yeah, so uh, 
I picked up a book on Kabbalah-inspired magic called Simply Magic. I became engulfed in it, enamored by how, off, how far off my concept of magic was from its true reality. I had the gut feeling, though, that I wasn't spiritually ready for what I was reading, yet I read on. A few chapters deep one day, I got a text while reading the book. I heard my phone vibrate and put the book down a few minutes later. The text read, put down your magic book and take a chance living in 3D. Whoa. I went, in, I went into a minor shock, as you could imagine. The text was from my friend Mike, who I played in a band with. He had decided to send me a lyric he had written after finding it in a four-year-old journal. This is one of those experiences that makes you stop wondering and you just start accepting the idea that it's literally all just one infinite thing. Mm. That's a pretty good one. That's a good one, yeah. eh? A very good one. Very insightful comments. I'll give that one an eight. Wow. That that's, could, the uh, high, that's the highest. That's the ever. highest. Yeah, so far. Congratulations, Brian. Okay, let's, uh, number two is good, too. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. He says, uh, oh, I, I kind of have a, a little part in this, too. I was bored one night. And it's and- a four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was bored one night, and I drove to a nearby bar. As I passed the bar, I realized it was near empty, and I almost went home, but then decided to go in anyway. While smoking a cigarette, I noticed a dude with tons of tattoos. I was getting one soon, so I struck up a conversation. He asked me what I planned to get, and I said, the flower of life. And I showed him this pic on my phone. He then goes, what? Wait, do you know Genghis? I don't know how to pronounce that, but Genghis. Genghis. You mean like the little Chinese women? Oh, the river. The river in, the yeah, river in I think it's spelled like the river. G H E. N-G-I-S. So he says, wait, do you know Genghis? 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 Let's call it Genghis. Do you know Genghis? And he says, yes, I do. That's who's doing the tattoo. How the hell do you know? And he says, I was laying on her couch when she got your email requesting the tattoo. I live in San Diego, population of 1.3 million. So the odds of me bumping into him, I'd guess it'd be one in 1.3 million, right? The story is obviously a metaphor for the fact that we're all connected. The punchline is that the flower of life, an image that symbolizes our connectedness, is at the center of the story. Nice. Nice. That's a nice. He sent me a picture of it, and I've actually got it hanging around my neck right now. Well, that's my pendant pendant that sits on. uh, What are you talking about? It's this. This is what it is. The flower of life. Don't steal Brian's spotlight. With your little necklace. So I emailed emailed him back because I checked that video of that couple out, right? That was writing that book in Calgary. And it was all about the flower of life the Mm. next night. I'm lost. You lost? Back to Brian's. Okay. I would like to know the proximity of the bar to the tattoo shop to where he, where that's all I really need to know. The bar to the tattoo shop to his house. So is it like a neighborhood? So maybe you can cut that 1.3 million down to uh, 5,000 if it's a little neighborhood or, you know, a community. Right. Um, but guy with tattoos, how many tattoo shops are in the neighborhood? I'm going to give it a 
six five seven 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 (laughs) that's a that's a pretty good double yeah so hey both both brian's beat higher than graham's ever got i think i've i've i haven't told you my good ones oh or i have but that was before you had the synchronicity meter running oh i had a i had one synchronicity uh, last week okay Okay, so I was. Um, I have to start uh, by saying that I, some time ago, like a month ago, I bought a magazine. Uh, a magazine I've always been fond of called Año Cero. It's about all kind of weird paranormal stuff, including UFOs. And it had an article about a very interesting UFO case that I will always uh, thought that it's really really good and i've been meaning to try to write something about it so here's where the synchronicity comes in so in in the in the article it is said that uh, two american uh, ufo researchers came down to mexico to investigate the case one was dr j allen hanek and the other was ray stanford Ray Stanford, who was the one who wrote uh, a very important UFO book titled uh, A Socorro Saucer in a Pen- Pentagon Pantry, I think it's the title. He w- uh, So uh, I left that aside, uh, uh, and last, last week I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the, the fact that I wanted to write a, 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 the article, and maybe... Uh, uh, mention Ray Stanford and maybe try to find out what Ray Stanford had thought of the case and that's when I remember that Ray Stanford is a good friend of Chris O'Brien who is the co-host of the Paracast and at that moment uh, for no particular reason I decided to email uh, Chris trying to uh, ask him whether he could uh, get in contact with uh, Ray and try to find out uh, whether it was true or not that he had come here to Mexico to investigate this case, and if he had, you know, what he had uh, found, uh, found out about it. And after I sent the mail, five minutes later, Chris replies back, telling me that he had, had just uh, finished recording an interview with, with Ray Stanford uh, for the podcast, Something I hadn't, I didn't know beforehand. So that, to me, that was a very, very interesting synchronicity. You know? Just uh, probably the moment I was uh, uh, writing or thinking about uh, writing the email was when just when he was you know, just finishing, you know, the interview with with Ray. So, you know, I think that kind of counts like an synchronicity. Yeah, it's on the scale. No, okay. fuck. <laughs> okay, so what? A four? I think a five or six for sure. Well, okay, so it's not four point like, nine. Oh, what did it, what did it feel like to you? Uh, it felt significance. It felt like an indication that yes, I am meant to write something about uh, this case. Did you get shivers or anything like that? Oh, definitely. I mean, Chris said, you know what? You, you must be a psychic or something, man. I said, well, you know, after spending some time in this field, if you don't get some type of synchronicities on a semi-regular basis, you're doing it wrong, man. 
Oh, my sister had another one too, but, but okay. So that, that's a good one, Red. Can I, uh, can I Time's talk about one? linear That's all. <laughs> that's true. So, um, I had something happen and Darren already knows about it. So it's kind of not really a surprise synchronicity event. And it might not even be a synchronicity. It's just really weird. So, so what do you think about this red? So hmm? we're, we're doing this, a work story. So I've been trying to arrange, uh, I've been trying to do a, an emergency preparedness procedure at work, like a fire drill, right? It's been Talking about your fucking safety program months. on the podcast now too. Can I just, can I just, <laughs> <laughs> can I just okay. what what okay. is this program oh, about it's a it's a safe like it's a safety thing right so it's a pre- emergency preparedness thing right so you got to do these drills and all that right so i've been planning on doing a fire drill for months right so i get around to doing this fire drill like where everybody evacuates the building right okay 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 Couple weeks later, I and and nobody has fire extinguisher training, right? You know, you have training to use the fire extinguishers. Mm-hmm. So, I schedule fire extinguisher training for everybody. That mm-hmm. happened on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. The day after, on Thursday, we had a fire. Wow! And the day after the fire, I had emergency preparedness training offsite. A day late and a dollar short. No, it was a day early. Like if we didn't have the fire extinguisher training, you know. Come on. We put, if you don't we know how to two... use a fucking fire extinguisher, <laughs> you're an idiot. I don't know how to use a fire extinguisher. I've never had the, the chance or Yeah, the but they're designed to... so that a child can figure it out whether <laughs> yeah, they're in a fucking panic. Right in that moment, you're not really thinking it like a child. You're thinking like a idiot, screaming idiot, because there's a fucking fire in your face, man. Pull pin, <laughs> squeeze handle. Uh, yes, I'm so easy. So easy. No. Is that a synchronicity? That, that I mean, is, come I on. The day after, after n- nobody's ever used one before? Well, I think yeah. somebody lit the fire. Because <laughs> they had so much fucking fun firing yeah. off fire yeah, extinguishers so, the day okay, before. So I want to like, try it again. Another fire extinguisher. Watch this. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. Anyways. Uh, and if sorry. I were you, I'd call that one a fire drill too. So I want to see right. if you, the next one is going to be some kind of uh, earthquake drill, even no. though maybe there's no quakes in Calgary and maybe the next day there's no. going to be the first one ever. <laughs> no, I'm doing a zombie apocalypse drill. Nice. Nice. Hey, I wanted to mention something too that uh, Brian Drummond uh, asked, asked me a question because he he caught uh, sort of my blunder from Amit Goswami's episode. So I wanted to make a point of this. It's kind of like a reflection on that. When Amit Goswami talked about UFOs and he mentioned that basically he didn't believe in mass sightings and all this kind of stuff, um, obviously, well, I should have challenged him, right? And I was going to. I don't know what happened. I don't remember what happened there, how it slipped down the path. And I maybe I felt like I didn't want to go back there, but... Definitely recognize it right away that uh, that's something mm-hmm. I wanted to address. And okay. I definitely, it's definitely one of the few regrets on not addressing that with him because it's, it's those type of guys that should know that there's fucking evidence out there all over the place, you know? Yeah, definitely. Easy tiger. Brian's been, <laughs> <laughs> Brian's been trying to get uh, guys like Richard Dolan and, and, uh, uh, Stanton Friedman on podcasts like Christopher Ryan or Joe Rogan, right? I mean, that's that's the way we got to do it. Like, I'd love to hear uh, 
uh, Richard Dolan on Joe Rogan, right? I mean, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, like he he shares your view, Red, on uh, on you know like what happened to, to Joe on, a, on the he's UFO rampage. Okay, <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, that 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 Joe didn't really make his uh, do his homework of trying to find yeah. the best experts about UFOs when he did his uh, UFO program. Yeah, I com- completely agree. So. So I got another, I got another uh, note here. So um, I got an email from not Morgan from the, he's a co-host of the reflective air podcast. Uh, I've listened to a couple of the podcasts. Pretty cool. It's more, it's kind of more of a chat about uh, some news stories on free speech and surveillance state kind of, there's some crazy shit going on in the UK. They're both from the UK. It sounds like, and uh, he listens to this a lot of the same stuff we do too. He talked about you know no agenda and Rogan and the Paracast. Uh, he's a big fan of yours, Red, for sure. He says, oh. yeah, he wants to. Uh, I got to read you a personal thing here. He says uh, maybe it'd be so kind as to pass on my now very belated congratulations to RPJ for his first interview that he did with Greg Bishop. He thoroughly enjoyed it, and it was great to finally hear you speak after always enjoying your posts on the Paracast forum. Oh, thank you so much. So, yeah, super, uh, super big fan of yours. Pretty cool. And he mentioned a lot about the VR, um, the VR thing. We have uh, one of our upcoming guests, Denny from Cloudhead Games, is like kind of one of the leading uh, virtual reality developers, and he wants to he wants us to talk a little bit about um, some of the stories about the the negative effects of VR and what what that's all about. Yeah, okay. another double interview night. That's a double interview night, yeah. From fucking well, virtual reality to planet Serpo. <laughs> well, just from virtual reality to a true story of interplanetary travel. Well, some people will tell you that Serpo and virtual reality are one and the same. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Most but people you should would tell definitely you, you should definitely address those concerns about possibly. Uh, negative side effects about this uh, new technology that it's pro- that promises to disrupt our society in ways that we can barely imagine right now. Yeah, he does. Uh, he does have a cool a cool disclaimer on his website about about uh, really taking a proactive approach in developing the game in the most safe uh, and positive way. So that's pretty cool. My main things- ag- my main agenda is getting a uh, a demo sent over to the studio. <laughs> okay, I can experience the negative side effects firsthand and report back. I don't know if it's a negative side effect, but I do know that people who play a lot of uh, video games, first person shooters, and uh, you know all the, all those kind of games, they tend to experience uh, an increase in lucid dreams. That's a positive side effect, maybe. Yeah, oh, unless your so lucid course. dream is you shooting the shit out of people, and it's maybe not so <laughs> that, positive. Yeah, but the point is, you can change whatever you're doing. You can, maybe you can only change who you're shooting at. No, you can just you're lucid. You can fly. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm all about. Is it just games? I mean, VR must be good for co- other cool shit too. Maybe we could meet Dennis McKenna on a toadstool next time we interview him. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm becoming a fan of this uh, YouTube channel about 
there, and this and this is another topic we might uh, uh, touch upon in year two. Uh, ASMR. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I so, think uh, somebody brought that up. Wasn't it? Uh, one of the listeners on uh, one of the Passport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I just got all excited there. I wanted to dig into that more. Yeah. So I'm. We got a whole ground down to earth every once in a while. So there is a shit ton of ASMR uh, videos on YouTube, and I um, decided to be uh, to subscribe to the, this particular channel, ASMR Requests, that is run by this uh, girl uh, named Ali. I think that she's not only very creative, you know, but uh, you know, she she does a uh, she's very dedicated, and apparently she's in talks with some developers of virtual reality technology she can't disclose the name but you know it it it's it would it would be easy to suspect that maybe it's the Oculus Rift guys so to to know or to or to learn about someone doing ASMR videos and who is now being involved with people who are developing virtual reality technology. I feel that that is an appropriate step toward that kind of uh, devices, you know? So maybe if I have an Oculus Rift, I will be more interested in using it to, to play those kinds of content, you know, ASMR ah, yeah, yeah. Tr triggering content than trying to play a first-person shooter because I'm, I'm sure that if I played Halo using an Oculus Rift, uh, after 10 minutes, maybe I will be on the break of having a heart, a heart attack, you know, <laughs> of all the tension. All right, all right. So, so just for people that, that aren't sure what that stands for, the, the uh, ASMR is Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. And it says it's been around some, some time now as people report these sensations going back as early childhood watching TV or going back to their daily, going about their daily routines. The primary response is the tingles, which many people report as a pleasant sensation through the scalp and spine, which, I some, which is sometimes faint and at other times overwhelming, nearing the point of sensory orgasm. <laughs> now this is, I've, I've, I've talked about this right on the show before when I'm yeah, exercising like usually and I get this like orgasm. download and it's like shivers all and it feels you, like you're intensely in the moment. So you I, mentioned it, you mentioned it during the America meditates episode. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, have you seen that video of that girl in the car with the bass sound going up into her body and she like has this, looks like she has this orgasm against the door. Have you seen that? No, yeah, well, haven't you ever seen private parts where the girl speaks, sits on the speaker, and Howard makes her have an orgasm with the bass in his voice? Maybe she was having an actual orgasm and not a mind orgasm. Huh? Did you just assume it was a mind orgasm, or does it say it was a mind orgasm? Where? When you watch the video. No, it was a physical thing. The bass, like, is a physical thing. It rocked her boat. Right. What's that got to do with mindgasms? It was just a well, vibration. It's a sound waves, vibration. Yeah. Yeah, it's a vibration. It did go through her ears. Yeah, well, yeah, of course it did. You are naive. But, of course but it did. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't the, 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 the guests doing the Grammarica Meditates episode 
mentioned that in their op in their opinion, what you experience when you are exercising and are, uh, you are listening to music and you are feeling uh, this like very pleasant like energy, you know, uh, bliss moving through your yeah from maybe the crown of your head you know all the way through your spinal cord to, to the rest of your body something I have also experienced I might add they called it like a Satori moment I think yeah yeah so Satori. what do you think of that do you, do you do you agree yeah yeah I do some people say it's connecting with your spirit guides and you're down you know you're getting like a download so there's a whole metaphysical side to it too oh i'm not Get arguing that i'm just saying that's not what was happening in the car <laughs> darren's yeah, still in the car orgasm okay definitely <laughs> yeah he's still picturing the girl <laughs> no but i don't know if i will i will call them uh, call those a satori moment you know maybe it's just uh, dealing with semantics but they, to me it's like this experiencing the the bliss of being in the moment, being alive, you know, that moment when you really are, really are connected with, with what you're doing, right? You are, you know, jogging or doing something and you are listening to a music that really, really inspires you. And that moment is like, yeah, man, you know, despite all my problems and all the shit I have to deal with, you know, during the weekdays, right at this moment, I'm really, really happy to be alive. Yeah, I agree. There could be different levels of it. So yeah, we're looking definitely. at some of the videos here. Is that that real hot, hot one that's uh, doing the ASAM, ASMR uh, videos? The braingasm one? Hmm. And why are you sending me the link over Skype? <laughs> Is Darren doing that? No, uh, she should. Got the results just when we were about to see the orgasm lady. Oh well. <laughs> so this, I guess, that's the signal for uh, Graham's profound UFO quote of the week. Usually, are you ready? Seems to be. I'm ready. ready. <clears throat> Prepare to be amazed. Everything is in a process of investigation, both in the United States and in Spain, as well as in the rest of the world. Look, as a general, as a military man, I have the same position as the one officially held by the Ministry of Defense. Have I read this one before? No, I don't think so. It'd be pretty lame if you repeated yourself. <laughs> I like the fifth segment. <laughs> okay, now from a personal position as Carlos Castro Cavero, I believe that UFOs are spaceships or extraterrestrial craft. The nations of the world are currently working together in the investigation of the UFO phenomena. There is an international exchange of data. Maybe when this group of nations acquire more precise and definitive information, it will be possible to release the news to the world. I myself have observed one UFO for more than an hour. It was an extremely bright object which remained stationary there for that length of time and then shot off towards Ija de los Caballeros, covering the distance of 20 kilometers in less than two seconds. No human device is capable of such a speed. And that is General Carlos Castro Cavero, Spanish Air Force, 
from a 1976 interview with journalist J.J. Benitez. Oh, Juan Jose Benitez, my idol. Really? Of course. Sweet. That was a good pick. So I yeah, think... Uh, synchronicity. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious that what he's seen was the light from the planet Venus reflecting off swamp gas. In yeah. The atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a synchronicity either. Oh, considering you probably know everyone that's that's that I'm reading, like every guy that's uh, that's no, been quoted on all these. Not yeah. really, but do you have another one? No, that's it. Uh, well, I've got lots, uh, but no, Darren's no, 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 gonna give me shit if I do too. So before yeah. we forget, though, since we're on the one year to the day anniversary of Ephraim Palermo's episode on Grimerica, mm-hmm. he has released his audiobook. On Audible. Alien Cartel. Alien Cartel. The Alien Cartel. Now, I got to say, like, you will be entertained by this book. It's got all these components of the shit that we talk about, and he mm-hmm. weaves it together in a, in a, in a great tapestry. It's, it's uh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you can get it, I think it's 20 bucks or something, but you can get it. 20 bucks? No. Yeah, yeah it's 20 bucks. Yeah. Yes, it is. Nineteen ninety five. But if, if you, you want to get it for to free, yeah. you can go to audibletrial.com slash Grimerica and uh, you'll get it for free and we'll get uh, 10 bucks or something. And it is the first of uh, a whole trilogy, isn't it? Yeah. More like a thrilogy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so big thanks to Ephraim uh, for getting this this, brain, this ball rolling. I wonder if uh, Ephraim feels any responsibility for getting us set off on this fucking adventure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure it keeps him awake at night. And say, oh my God, what, what have, have I, I done? done? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that about wraps it up. We've got uh, Simon Chikoisky, uh for our, for our one-year episode. Uh, we should probably touch on the, uh, the money bomb. Yes, we have to touch on the money bomb. Mm-hmm. It's like a 50-50 draw. I've been thinking about that. It's not a draw. It's just a 50-50 money bomb. Okay, 50-50 money bomb. some money out of. Right. Not a lottery. So this is a way that we can get uh, support for the show. So if you want to support for the show, you can you can send a contribution to, uh, you can go to the money bomb page and, and donate or contribute, or you can send a postcard in, or you can email a picture of the flyer. So there's ways that you, you can uh, enter this without uh, actually spending money. Yeah, we gave a hundred bucks away last month. Uh, this month, uh, only just over a week left, and we need—we're uh, not quite at uh, our our minimum yet. So, uh, looks like we might carry over unless uh, we get get a, a flourish this week. Then we can still give away some money uh, next week. So yeah, please donate. It helps us uh, cover the expenses of the show. And uh, of course, uh, the the other thing I wanted to mention at our one year is if anyone, yeah, and of course, uh, before we leave that, grimerica.ca slash moneybomb is a link. Uh, the other thing, we've been uh, been here a year now, it'd be good to, uh, you know, email Graham, spam him um, with, um, you know, just uh, the good, bad, what you like about the show, what you don't, we're trying to constantly improve. So if you can give us some feedback, good or bad, um, tell your friends and uh, yeah. Yeah, tell the friends for sure. Send a link. Most of the podcast devices you listen to have a little button there that you could just like text it to somebody or uh, email it to somebody. So just hit everyone up in your address book and maybe we'll get some more listeners. 
Yeah, and then uh, you can always send your uh, your questions for Ask a Grimerican to producer Joe at grimerica.com. And, uh, you know, if you guys have a bunch of spam in your email box anyway, you might as well forward that <laughs> to off. Graham while you're at it. So Graham will filter your spam for you. So do you got anything else, I guess, before we go? Who we got? Uh, I guess we, we could talk about upcoming guests in the outro. Or we already did, really. Yeah, we did a little bit. I mean, we got lots booked for July and, and June, so we'll be we'll be solid here for a bit. Lots of good good topics and guests coming up. And this episode, we've got Simon Chikowski, Chikowski talking about the five Dharma types. Super. This is one of the most fun I've had in a long time on a on a show, and um, mm-hmm. I found my um, my primordial mantra sound. Loom. Yeah, what is you know? your mantra yeah, it sound? Is. It is it's like zoom. Loom. Yeah, loom. Oom. What was mine again? I can't remember. I thought mine was loam. Yeah, loam. Loam. Yeah. Loam. <laughs> nah. Well, that's weird. <laughs> I'm sure that yeah. mine is ah! <laughs> or something like yeah. that. Here's the Romero. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I suppose that shit that about does it. Do you, got, you guys got anything else before we we'll take a quick break and jump into Simon? Nope, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's gotta be a better way to say that yeah yeah <laughs> that's about it man all right thanks for joining us red yeah yeah and thank, thank you, you for the you thank you for the year it's been awesome yeah it's been a hell of a ride and i hope it lasts even longer right yeah on. yeah thanks for helping us get to a year thanks for listening we'll we'll take a quick break here we'll jump into our chat with simon chikoisky and uh We'll uh, pick you guys up at the end. Hey guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. We're going to be chatting with Simon Chikoisky, um about his uh, book, The Five Dharma Types. But first, how's it going, Graham? Hey, Darren. I'm doing doing well, buddy. Looking forward to this this chat with Simon. Simon uh, Chikoisky, he's the, Lanskrit, uh, the lead <laughs> Sanskrit instructor at the Ayurvedic Institute in Albuquerque for first-year and second-year students, as well as the medical joyatisha. I'm having a hard time with words tonight. <laughs> And it's sacred one of those tests. Nights. Yeah, yeah. And sacred texts for the, the second year program. <clears throat> He's released his first book called The Five Dharma Types, and it's going to be followed by two sequels, Sex, Love, and Dharma, and The Spiritual Types. So um, Simon's been traveling all over the world. He speaks four languages. He's quite an interesting guy. So we're really looking forward to having you on the show tonight. Welcome. Hey, awesome to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Sorry about all the mispronunciations there. We're scrambling a bit tonight. So thanks for being patient. Uh, couple minutes late here 
hey, the more you mispronounce, the more of a job I have. Okay, that's good. my job. <laughs> good. <laughs> Teach Sanskrit. So no so, worries. So, Darren, where do you want to start with this? Um, I suppose we might as well uh, tiptoe into the pool for our listeners that haven't uh, – <laughs> don't know much about what Dharma or what the Vedic is or any, anything like that. Maybe if you could just kind of give people a, a little introduction. Yeah. What is all that stuff about? So Dharma is a Sanskrit word and it basically means your, your purpose. Why are you here on this planet? And, uh, about five, five to 8,000 years ago, we're not really sure when, um, th- there were a bunch of okay. Well, there goes my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. That is that's okay on me. Um, so about five five thousand years ago, uh, these ancient sages were sitting around and really communing with nature. You know, using whatever, using their own meditation, using herbs and plants, and and trial and error, and watching animals in nature. And, and really trying to figure out what, what's this all about. Kind of the same thing we're doing here. Uh, we're still doing it. Right. And uh, they, they came up with this saying, which is very interesting. It's a Sanskrit saying that says, I'll say it in Sanskrit and translate. It says, Amantramaksharam nasti, nasti mulamanoshadam, ayogyaha purusho nasti, yojakastatradurlabaha. And what that means is there is no sound that doesn't have a vibrational meaning. That's not a mantra. There is no plant that is not medicine. There is no person who does not have a purpose. However, it takes skill to find these mm-hmm. things. So basically, they devoted their time to, to finding out, you know, what is the medicinal value of every vegetable, animal, and mineral substance on the planet. Uh, and they sort of organized that information and called it Ayurveda, which is a study, uh, you know, if you've listened to Deepak Chopra, mind-body medicine, that's Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. That's his, uh, his modern sort of interpretation of Ayurveda. He's very well versed in that. Um, and, and then they came up with this word called dharma, which is your purpose, what you're put on here to do. You've got a special gift. And by sharing that, you get, you get to minimize that other Sanskrit word called karma, which you probably know, we're probably all mm-hmm. familiar with. So karma in this sense is what you do when you're not doing your dharma. You create karma. Oh. So when you're doing your dharma, in essence, you are, you are in the flow of nature and nature protects you. You could say God, whatever that is for you, spirit, the universe protects you when you're in your dharma, when you're in your flow. When you're not in your flow, you create anxiety, stress, fear. You know, when you try to live someone else's life. It's, it's not only bad for you, it's bad for your environment. So you could say that a long time ago, rather than uh, minimizing your carbon footprint, the sages were interested in minimizing your karmic footprint. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. Could you buy karma credits back then too? Or? Oh, yeah. Right. C- can you bribe the universe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how many ways can, can we... <laughs> What can I, how many ceremonies can I do? And yes, absolutely they did. And, and, you know, we're, we're, we're the same humans we were back then. Just the trappings have changed. So, of course, we still try to bribe uh, the universe. But the essence is when you live your dharma, things tend to fall into place. I like to say that, you know, everybody's looking for prosperity. We're looking for God. We're looking for love. But I like to say that God, love, and prosperity are on your path find your path and you'll find them all 
Yeah, I heard you talk about that in one of your videos and it made a lot of sense to me. Like the happiness, like you, you mentioned something about the God, God is basically happiness or whatever. And you will find all those instead of taking all these different paths to find all that. You, if you're on your purpose, uh, you'll find those. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And the question is, all right, sounds great, Simon. I'm sold. How do I do it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like what's the next step? And, uh, well, you know, buy my book, but, uh, <laughs> I'm a terrible pitch man, I gotta tell you. But uh, but the truth is, it does take skill to find these things. So, it, you know, it, it takes skill, it takes sometimes trial and error, it takes hard work. But once you know your, your dharmic archetype, and there are these five archetypes that I write about in the book, once you know who you are, are you a warrior? Is your job to protect ideas and people that can't protect themselves? Are you an educator? Uh, who, whose job is to, to bring wisdom and compassion in, into every interaction. Are you a merchant whose job is just to make life fun and easy? Uh, you're a laborer who's supposed to serve and, 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 and devote their life to, to creating the infrastructures of society. Or are you an outsider whose job is to refresh society, to be a rebel with a cause, to, to have one foot out of the box and one foot in the box and tell the world, hey, you guys are messing up. This is, this is wrong. This is right. To be the sort of whistleblower of society. Mm. So there are these five types, and they each have a mission. And once you know your mission, things tend to line up. Well, I think we know our mission. What's that? I have a few. <laughs> Spread the word, buddy. <laughs> Spread the word. Outsiders as educators. That's yeah. the cool. That's the cool thing about being an outsider is that you can wear any hat. And I'm sure you guys maybe have experienced this because I'm characterizing your show, I guess, as a little bit of an outsider because that's what it is, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it right? is. But I um, like I feel like like personally, I'm I'm I've sort of found my path over the last few years. But when I look at the five types, I and I don't want this to sound like you want to e be a warrior egoic or anything. <laughs> no, I feel like there's a I'm a part of all of them like the. I, yeah. I resonate with a bit of all of them. So how would I decide <clears throat> or figure yeah. out like which one is me? Like the show definitely is like outsider slash educator probably, you know? Yeah. Well, you said you've enumerated something beautiful, which is that when you see yourself in all five types, it means you're an outsider. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Because, because, because outsiders are, you know, I, I talk about, an element for each type, you know, the warriors, the fire element, uh, the outsider space. And you can basically blend and meld into any of the other types. Mm. So when you're in the business meeting, you know, talking to executives, boom, you, you can, you, you can make that work. You know, you got the suit and tie, you can speak the lingo. Then when you're out, you know, in, in Peru, you know, in, uh, in the jungle somewhere, you can make that work too. You, you know how to adapt. Eat now, I don't know you. And I, right. So you know how to fit, uh, adapt yourself to different environments. It's one of the classic characteristics of the outsider. Wow. Not that, not that other types can't do it, but see, I'm an educator. If I go to ayahuasca, I mean, to, to Peru or to Africa on safari, you know, I'm the one who's going to be wearing those, those white kind of khaki clothes with a big brimmed hat looking like a, you know, a sore thumb sticking out. <laughs> Whereas the, the outsider is going to be dressed like one of the natives. They're going to be, you know, nose to the ground, kind of blending in and, and really trying to um, trying to make uh, trying to become one with that environment. 
Hmm. That's interesting because I've been called by old friends of mine that I was a chameleon because I could do that. So that's uh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so it's a beautiful thing. But ultimately, the way to find your type is uh, there's a test in the beginning of my book. So there is 10 simple questions. You circle all the answers that apply. So if there's more than one answer, you circle all of them, like A, C, and E, for example, mm-hmm. for question one. Then you add them up at the end, and you'll see what, what comes out. So here's a strange question. Is it harder for guys to find their type than women? Because, you know, it's it's uh, women, and I find them, they, they listen to their heart. They kind of know their intuition a little bit more. Like women seem way more intuitive. Yeah, yeah. And, and to tell the truth, women are the majority of my clients. So uh, that's a good question that nobody's asked before. But I would have to say probably yeah, because, uh, again, uh I think overall women probably take more of these tests and, and, and know how they work and they know how to sort of see their whole life rather than just how they're feeling now. Mm. Whereas, you know, maybe a guy would be like, well, you know, I've been working at the steel mill for the last two months. So, you know, I feel like a laborer. Like that's, that's my, that's why I feel like a laborer. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, but, but you know, here's the beautiful thing. Everybody, when you know, I write about this in, in the chapter on the laborer. Everybody goes, "Oh, who'd want to be a laborer type?" I mean, come on. But you know what? Oprah Winfrey, Harrison Ford. Uh, we got laborer types. Are are no type is better than any other. Mm-hmm. They're like fingers on your hand. Each one has a specific look. Each one has a specific purpose. They each point in a different direction. So cutting off one of the types or saying, "Well, this one is not as useful as the others," it, it's bull. It, it's 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 totally inaccurate, and that, that's why I've written this book is because these archetypes have been around for a long time, but they've been turned into this kind of political caste system, and not just in India. I mean, you see this in in Hawaii, you know, where the ruling class, if you walked in their shadow, they could execute you. You know, like mm-hmm. these ridiculous, oh brother, these mm-hmm. ridiculous sort of um, um, uh, kind of uh, hierarchical models that say this type is better than the next and and that just that doesn't fly so every type is equal and every type has a different contribution to make to the world to society and every type speaks a different language which is why sometimes you know people don't get along even though they're they're mean you know they're kind of saying the same thing they don't hear it because each type speaks a different language so Learning the the five types, you can almost kind of predict a person's behavior. Hmm. Like my wife didn't believe any of this, you know, when we when we first got together, and I'd sit with her and I'd say, "Listen, watch this guy. This guy's <laughs> he, this is his type, and this is what he's going to do." And you know, over time, she got used to just me pointing this stuff out, and she go, "Wow, I never saw that." Hmm. So, if you're on your on your soul's purpose and you've sort of found your path, what are some of the things that you'll notice? Like how how will you be able to tell that you're, you're finding it or you're, you're starting to, to follow your path? You know, it's like, uh, what happened after your parents told you Santa Claus wasn't real? I asked him if the Easter bunny was fake too. <laughs> and now you know that. And, 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 and so the world doesn't change, you know, nothing changes, but your state changes who you are and what you're, you know, what you're supposed to do. So you have, you have more certainty in that. Like, think about if you didn't know if you were a man or a woman. 
let's say one day you woke up and you just don't, you didn't know what your gender is. Yeah, how one day? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hypothetically speaking, let's say, and, and you know, and for some people, this is a real issue. I mean, there's, you know, this is a real issue for some, but for most of us, it, it's, we just take it for granted. Yeah. Man, I'm so sorry. This thing keeps going on. No, that's okay. Um, Okay, now it's definitely off. Um, most people take this for granted, but if you woke up one day and you didn't know whether you were male or female, you know, how would you dress? What, uh, you know, what bathroom would you use when you're out at the restaurant? Uh, how do you walk? How do you talk? You know, how do you fix your hair? What's your name even? You know, all of that is determined by our gender. And, and these are just two basic archetypes, you know, male, female. And think about how, I mean, again, we take it for granted, but think about how knowing that helps your life. Hmm. And, and it's a similar thing with the Dharma type, you know, uh, it, it, they're less apparent, like it's not obvious, you know, if you look at someone, well, that's, you know, probably a man and that's probably a woman. But I claim, and this, this is my claim and it, you know, it's unsubstantiated as yet, but I think that this is in our DNA, just no one's looked for it. Hmm. I think that these archetypes do have markers, physical markers that, that, you know, if people were to really catch on to this, they, they could be identified. Um, but I'm not a scientist. So, you know, again, it's, that's why I give the, uh, the, uh, disclaimer before I say that. Uh, so, so knowing your Dharma type is similar, knowing, just knowing the direction of your life and who you are pretty much insinuates itself into everything you do. Like, from meeting, you know, uh, a potential mate to speaking with your boss to doing your job, all of it. So do you notice from your clients or from your, your studies that uh, synchronicities play a part of that? We talk about like synchronicities on the on our show a little bit. Darren always gives me a hard time. I, I try and tell him, I, you know, I have this great synchronicity and he, he kind of <laughs> hums and haws and sloughs it off and but I mean, we talk about, like, we, we listen to other podcasts that talk about it and people say that, people say that it means you're on your path. Yeah, basically. And, and the fact that you're noticing means that you have present moment, you're attentive to what's happening. You know, a lot of us kind of shrug stuff off or we're too busy thinking about the next thing or the last thing, but not, we're not in the present. So synchronicity is, yeah, it, it is a sign that you're doing your dharma but you also have to watch what those synchronicities are telling you. You know, if um, maybe they're pointing you in a certain direction. It's like the Native Americans used to use animal spirits and animal totems to kind of guide them and, and give them warnings, give them signs of, you know, impending attack or, or danger or, you know, they're basically omens, omenology. Mm -hmm. So synchronicities that, that you keep noticing are, are, First of all, they, they mean you're aware, but they also ask the question, where is this pointing me? What is this trying to tell me? That's the tricky part. Mm. So uh, what about the sound thing that uh, you're talking about? I, I th find that fascinating that the <clears throat> way back when they were, they were trying to figure out how every sound has a meaning or every sound is a mantra. So yeah. how do we, find, our, how do we find, find the sound that resonates with us? Or is that something you help your clients do? Um, well, yeah, you know, that's something that, uh, so this Jyotish, this Vedic astrology is, uh, is a fascinating thing. I've been fascinating, fascinated with it for a while 
because part of uh, what it shows you is your your basic sound, your sort of what Dr. Deepak Chopra calls your primordial sound. And he mm-hmm. teaches a meditation based on this. But everyone has it, and it's available in your horoscope. Um, and it's it's the idea that if you name a child based on this sound, because, you know, your name is the, the word you're going to hear most in your life. Right. And if your name is aligned with who you are at a vibrational level, then every time someone says your name, your body and your mind go, yeah. Wow. Did yeah. you call that your primal sound? What was that? Your uh, primordial oh, sound. Primordial, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. And now, uh, so that's, and that can be found in your, in your chart. And yeah, I do give that to, uh, 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 to clients, but it's not the main thing that, that we really talk about. But, uh, so they took all of these sounds and, you know, they experimented. They, they did, um, you know, they were, they were psychonauts in, in every sense of the word. They, they weren't afraid of using physical substances like things like ayahuasca, mind altering, but also they wanted to find ways that to perpetuate that experience while they weren't using, uh, substances. And so they sound is one of those ways. Um, and, and, um, for example, they could do, um, like, I, I mean, I'm not in the studio. If I were in the studio, I would show you a couple of these, these little simple, uh, techniques to kind of vibrate your pineal gland and, and you just feel it, you feel it oh. right away. Um, but it's, uh, well, may, maybe later in the show I can, I can walk you through it. Uh, but, um, yeah, so the sound that you hear most is, is very, uh, will reinforce that energy. So for example, the sound uh, is a creative sound. Like whenever you, you know, when you, you're making love or you're, you look at a beautiful mountain, you go, ah, oh. right? You don't go, mm. <laughs> or <laughs> the natural sound that wants to come out is, ah. Oh. So my name is pretty good. That's Graham. I want my name to be ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Sanskrit, there are a lot of names that begin with ah. You have Aditya. You have uh, in English too. Audrey. Uh, um, I don't know male names with ah. Uh, um, Austin. Alexan- Austin. Alexander or Austin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Depends on what kind of English you speak. Um, so. So yeah, the sound definitely has an impact, and the converse is also true. If the sound of your name does not resonate with who you are, there's a sense of unease, and 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 like it becomes harder to be who you are. Is this where people like you've ever had the sense when you when you look at somebody you find their name you you just they just fit their name like they you know that like that guy looks like a Darren or he looks like yeah a, right isn't that amazing yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely. Hmm. Because I've often thought too that that the names come with a, a a stereotype in a way. Like when you look at somebody, they they grow up into their name in a way. <clears throat> like if you yeah. look at a guy like Bartholomew, he he just turns out different for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. He either goes very conservative yeah. or, Bar, or or Bart Simpson or, or very eccentric. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Hamster. It, you know the thing about western names is that they're they're usually derived from something so for example if you're smith you know your great ancestors were blacksmiths or porter they, they used to carry stuff or fletcher they used to make arrows you know these names yeah. 
are based on trade, but some of them are also based on your appearance, like uh, black, gray, uh, short. These are all, you know, last names. Or even where you live, like Underhill or, uh, I don't know, the uh, Brook, yeah. you know, uh, or Rivers. Uh, but it, Sanskrit was more interested in the actual sound, you know, the, the vibration of the syllables. And, um, and that vibration, they said, you know, impacts you in a very small way. But over time, you know, it's like these financial crooks that are kind of stealing from the markets. Uh, did you see that? There was a piece on 60 Minutes uh, a few weeks ago. These guys figured out how to take fractions of a penny from every transaction and over time, they just made millions of dollars. Wow. I've been trying to figure out how to do that. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, we're, we're really just jealous that they figured it out. Um, but, you know, hearing your name like that is, is the same thing. It's a little tiny, little tiny drop in the bucket, but over time, it has an effect. So how do you go about doing that through Vedic astrology then? Like, do you need, what do you need to know about me to, to read my chart? Your birth, birth time, birth date, and birth place. It's like... A regular astrology chart. Huh. Birthplace as in like city. Birthplace as in like city. Or? City, yeah. correct. Yeah. Okay. City, uh, city, state, and the time is the most important thing, though. Hmm. So it has to be pretty, pretty accurate. Hmm. I mean, sometimes we can get away with, you know, oh, it was in the afternoon, yeah. between two to four, and then I can kind of pull the different variations and and match them against your life, and we can kind of figure it out. I know all of those. Yeah, I just figured out my time, and I've, I've forgotten it now. That was 8.30 a.m. Really? We should have given you this information uh, before the show, and you could have done a, like a reading for us. Yeah, well, <laughs> give, give it to me right now. Okay, go for it, Darren. Uh, so March 10th, 1981 at 8.30 a.m. In at, a teepee. No? In a hospital. <laughs> Where? In Red Lake, Ontario. Closest city would be Winnipeg, I guess, or Thunder Bay. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, now, all right, so the first thing is I am suspicious of times like 8.30 in the morning or uh, because, you know, nobody's born at 8 or 8.30. It's usually like 8.37. Yeah, I think oh. it was actually 8.38. <laughs> really? 8.30? Okay, let me, let me see what I can come up with here. You know, sometimes it doesn't make that much of a difference, but um, uh, sometimes it does. So we'll see. All right. So uh, according, so this is Darren, Darren's chart? Yeah. Yeah, so Darren, you are, according to this and the time you've given, you're definitely an outsider type. And um, uh, let's see, you're, you got moon in the ascendant, which is uh, very good for working with the public. Uh, let's see. And or real estate. Can I snicker during this? Was that? To... Can you snicker during yeah. it? Yeah. So here we go. This is. Uh, well, how about you give me yours too? So oh, can... yeah. no, you keep going with Darren's. I'm. I'm. Uh, I've texted my mom right now to try and get my time because I, I texted I can't my remember. mom to confirm my time as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, maybe we should wait to. Maybe get we'll the... come back to this. No. So yeah. keep keep going with Darren. Sorry to interrupt. But I don't know if my time's right. Well. All right, so let, let's assume that it's right. Um, so here we go. We've got, so you're an outsider type. So basically your mission is to 
outsiders given are given enormous amount of freedom freedom to in fact freedom is your mantra like you, you have to be you know if i put you in an office and said listen i'm going to give you a bunch of money but you need to sit here and do as i say and you know that may be good for a little while but that is a recipe for long-term disaster uh so, so freedom is very important uh uh and freedom to do what? Okay, so you're supposed to go, uh, especially you're in Rahu period, and now, now I know I'm talking like another language here, but um, actually, sort of, um, it was 8:02 a.m. Oh. 8:02. Well, let's see if that's going to change anything. So let's. Um, it's not going to change your Dharma type. It'll change a couple other details. The Dharma type is. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Huh? That doesn't yeah. sound good. Okay. The doctor's looking at your chart. Yeah. Uh, do you like fast cars? Who doesn't? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I drive a, a minivan, so. I mean, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but that's not by choice. Yeah, I um, drive. A, I drive a family sedan. It's nice. You drive a family sedan, but there, there's a risk-taking. Uh, oh, uh, you got definitely. You're, you're a big risk taker. It looks like. Um. Okay, but anyway, let me get, finish this thought about the, the outsider. So, you, you know, being an outsider, you have to go from kind of from flower to flower until you get all the different nectar in the world. And then your, your dharma, your purpose in life is to blend all those different things, like from, from traveling here, from reading this, from doing that, blend all of these different experiences into into something new and then serve it back to the world. So uh, here, here's what I mean by that. It, basically, you're given the freedom to dive deep and, and really look for those pearls that are on the bottom that nobody else can reach. But your dharma is ultimately to come back and come back to the world uh, and, and share it. So this is like you know the, the fusion cuisine, the chef that was cooking steak, cooking sushi, and they said, well, shoot, man, you know, why can't I combine these two together? Surf Boom. and turf. Surf and turf. Somebody <laughs> thought of that. And there are two things that already were existent in the world. There, this is something that was, he didn't come up with a brand new, a whole new thing, but it, it, he took two things that, that were already there and made something new. Uh, you know, Bikram Yoga, this guy who brought yoga, said, hey, let's turn up the heat. Let's patent these poses. And it's this huge. Is Bikram yoga popular in Canada? Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. I love it. Yeah, and it's it's Bikram's a big time outsider. You know, he he outsiders rock the boat. They rock the system. Um. So let's see. You got Mercury K two in the tenth house. Uh, do you blog a lot? Do you write on the internet? Do you work on, online? I well, I run a website and yap you, on here a lot. Okay, you run a he website. Blogs with his mouth. <laughs> okay well that's consistent working working with uh uh computers and and online technology is consistent with where you should be i think you're in the looks like you're in the right career here uh and i'm giving you a very kind of superficial reading here uh but um yeah maybe we should have looked at this a little bit closer half an hour or an hour before but um so, so the final thing about the outsider, though, is that coming back and actually, you know, doing something new, uh, uh, be, sharing your unique expression with the world can create uh, anxiety. So outsiders tend to run anxious. 
And as a result, um, you know, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever it is, you know, they're useful tools to help you relax. But ultimately, you have to believe in your dharma, which is, I am supposed to be doing this. This is what I was born to do, is to rock the boat, to share unique expression. Because if I don't, the world will essentially stagnate. If there are no outsiders in the world, everything goes to crap. It's mm-hmm. the outsiders who refresh society. And so you, so, uh, but the problem is outsiders tend to run anxious and they tend to be a little bit um, diffident about sharing their gifts with the world. So what happens is, you know, ah, all this stuff is wrong and this is blah, 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 but that's ah, just how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of withdraw. And that's sad because as an outsider, you have a, you have tremendous insight that you have to, but you have to make sure you're heard. And being in the in internet and media is good. I gotta uh, say, it, it it seems to fit Darren pretty damn good. Yeah, pretty pretty good. I now say. this is really general stuff. Like I'm not talking about your kids or or wife or relationships, uh, anything very specific right now. And and to be honest, that that takes a little bit more kind of investigating into your chart. But from the general standpoint of your dharma type as an outsider. This is your purpose. This is what, you, what you're here to do. Perfect. So do you now derive Darren's sound uh, out of that thing? Oh, like, yeah. How does that work? So your sound, Darren, which is based on the position of your moon, is loam. So the oh. sound low, L-O. Huh. Loam. Loam. That makes sense, too, for some reason. Loam. All right, now try this. All right, so since we're since we're doing this, uh, I don't know if you can if you have headphones on. I have headphones on, but um, I'll just I'll just tell you how it's done. So you put your thumbs on the on the um, tragus, which is that little flap uh, uh, in front of your ear to close your ear. So you're gonna close your ears with your thumbs, basically. Okay. Then you're gonna put your middle and and ring finger, and the listeners can do this as well. Uh, middle and ring finger on your eyes to close your eyes. So basically, you've closed your ears and eyes, but don't do it yet because then you won't hear what I'm telling. What? And then you can put the index finger and the little finger wherever they fall. You try to kind of put them on your third eye, like like around the middle of your brow. So basically, you're in the kind of see no evil, hear no evil, you know, pose. Like your thumbs are closing your ears and your middle two fingers on your eyes. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now as you do that with your mouth, uh, so you're going to say the sound loam loam and and let, and let the mm, as you close your mouth, let that vibrate and and just feel what happens in your brain. So just say loam. just play with it like okay. let that sound kind of kind of like you're tasting a really good wine and let that swish through your mouth okay, he's, he's doing it now play with it darren swish it around in there like it's a good wine <laughs> Loam. how did that feel Felt okay. Maybe I felt something. 
Okay, so you didn't feel anything. So, uh, <laughs> so what you want to do? Yeah. So this is one of these meditations. There's it's. So you want to do this about fifteen times and uh, 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 and really do feel the M, the mm, and feel like the center of your brain is vibrating. Like your brain is this tree and it's got apples and fruits and all kinds of stuff in there. And you, you're like vibrating it to shake that fruit off and, and just have it fall. In fact, you know, a lot of these ancient yogis, they used to, they used to say that there is a special amrita, this nectar that, that, that is produced by the brain that is the root cause of all psychedelic experiences. And they, they did these types of exercises to release it and, and, to, and to put it into circulation. So that's best done. Like I should try that in more of a meditative. Yeah. Setting. So, yeah. To yeah, maybe not on the air with <laughs> with uh, thousands of people. Uh, but uh, yeah, try that. And uh, I mean, this is one little simple exercise. But that's that sound low is um, is is supposed to be your primordial sound. Hmm. I'm gonna try it next time I eat mushrooms. <laughs> You can try that. That, you can. that could really, yeah. Like, I mean, do you remember that that thing that Dennis McKenna was talking about when he was on that two week trip, and he was talking about the electronic spin resonance and like getting right into like how the the electrons vibrate. So back to the back to the yogis that were talking about this um, this thing in the brain. It sounds like DMT coming from the pineal gland or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So the way they described it is, in fact, they even had physical methods of reaching it. Like the the really serious yogis would gently not now. Uh, you know, medical disclaimer here. Please do not try this at home. <laughs> um, but they would they would take a blade and cut just gently the underside of the tongue. You know that little ligament that holds the wow. tongue, the little flap there. Yeah. But not all at once. Over time, it would take months to really cut it down, so that then they could take the tongue and uh, and push it in the back of their mouth and up to yeah. to stimulate that area at the base at the base of the skull. And this is called kechari mudra, which is a specific advanced technique. And basically, they called it tasting the nectar of immortality. I wonder and if that's where kissing came from. Kissing, <laughs> this is kissing God, uh, and that you know, yogis weren't that much into kissing men or women, but they were definitely into kissing the sky, as mm. per Jimi Hendrix. Did they kiss each other's gods? <laughs> you know, you'd have to ask them. <laughs> I'm not privy to that information, but well, you know, I, I don't know what you mean by that exactly. By but like, it may like. I'm going back to like where the birth of kissing came from, you know, maybe if you can't reach your own, it's easier to reach hmm. someone else's. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like French uh, kissing, like the origin of French kissing. Yeah, tongue kissing. Yeah. Huh. So this would be like French kissing yourself basically. Yeah. Um, for, and, and, and they describe the pleasure they came out of that and in the sort of spiritual ecstasy that you can go into basically by stimulating your own pineal gland uh, with endogenously rather than with exogenous sort of outside, uh, you know, sources, which they probably also used. Mm. Hmm. 
but there's a lot of crazy stuff like that. And I got to tell you, um, yeah, this is the night to talk about it because I don't, you know, n- none of my students have heard me talk about this stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah, that's good. Open right up. Open that pineal gland up. <clears throat> yeah. So right now in the sky, the moon and the, the north node of the moon are exactly conjunct, which, uh, which, which makes, I guess you could say it, it, it's a little bit of a weird combination, but it makes things, uh, uh, just makes you more sensitive to otherworldly stuff. Wow. Is that for everybody or is that what that's for everybody on the planet right now? Oh, well in the, where, where we are in, in, uh, yeah, no, it's for everybody on the planet for the next 24 hours, basically. So is that where people come up with, um, like there's some theories out there that psychic activity or, or paranormal activity is, uh, it increases during certain phases of, I guess the moon really is what they say, or uh, lunar, lunar sort of phenomena. So is that sort of <clears throat> what you're saying here? Is that there's certain yeah. points in astrology where people are more sensitive to stuff? Yeah, and especially eclipses. So eclipses are caused by, uh, well, when the Earth, Moon, and Sun align in certain ways, and what um, what they align with is these points on the ecliptic where eclipses. Uh, can happen and these points are exactly where the moon is but the sun's not there so there's no eclipse tonight but if the sun were with the moon there'd be an eclipse so this point called the north node the node n-o-d-e of the moon Mm -hmm. in vedic astrology is seen as this kind of almost like a portal to another world it's kind of um it's a very uh, unpredictable uh um uh, kind of point and the moon happens to be right on it right now so what people will be interested in what they'll be thinking about is kind of weird stuff tonight so how often does that come around well it happens about once a month so it's not that rare but it, it's it's rare when the sun and the moon align with those points and that's when we get an eclipse isn't there a bunch of eclipses in a row here or something yeah april was pretty um uh, April, we had one, two, three eclipses, and uh, uh, but not all of them were visible in the northern hemisphere. The last one, the solar annular solar eclipse, was only visible in parts of Australasia. Um, but the other two were, I believe, were visible. The lunar eclipse was a big one. Yeah, I was waiting for the lunar eclipse, but I fell asleep. <laughs> but I thought there was another lunar eclipse right away. Well, that's probably a good thing uh, because, you know, according to these guys, it's it's not great to stare at eclipses because uh, what, what is great is to sit and meditate, to do mantras, to, to kind of, you know, do whatever is, is your spiritual practice uh, uh, or, or just sleep, but not to be out there really looking at them and going, hey, hey, look at that, you know, uh, so telescopes are a bad idea, probably. Well, no, they're not a bad idea in terms of research and information, but to be looking at them all the time, in, in according to the Vedic custom, it, it's it's considered inauspicious, if for nothing else, but that it's kind of a waste of that time, which which you can spend oh. uh, really kind of exploring your psyche. Like, it's right. a really good time. Without the distraction of your vision, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Now, listen, Einstein's theory was of uh, relativity was proven by, you know, one of these uh, eclipses. So, you know, they certainly have their use in scientific circles, but I'm talking about uh, 
uh, you know, sort of psychological and spiritual usefulness. Mm-hmm. I want to touch on that sound thing again, because I've done some meditations like um, resonance, like frequency resonance and stuff like that, where you do, or you do toning or like there's some Osho mm-hmm. uh, active meditations where I've done like humming and stuff like that. And there's uh-huh. definitely a, f- a frequency that I can, that I reach that, that sort of resonates for me or that's easier for me. And I always just thought of that as maybe <clears throat> just the, my vo- my voice or my vocal cords or whatever is physically um, capable, like whatever my voice is physically capable of, but it does seem to go a little deeper than that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, for all of these things that you have to have good teachers, I mean, you really have to know, have teachers who know what they're doing and can show you, uh, you know, this is right for you. This is not right for you. And unfortunately, you know, myself included, I spent a lot, a lot of time searching for people who really know, you know, really know, not just intellectually know, but they experientially know. And, uh, which is why I'm here in New Mexico, you know, where I work at the Ayurvedic Institute, um, with, uh, a doctor named uh, Dr. Vasant Lad was one of these really amazing um, kind of old school Indian. He's not a guru. He's a real doctor, but just really deep, deep, profound transcendental knowledge, you know? Uh, uh, So, so I say that because there's so many techniques and there's so many, um, you know, every, every corner you turn, there's a different kind of yoga. There's a different kind of meditation and they, they all have value. That's the thing. They all have absolute value, but which is right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really at the end, only you can, can sort of figure that out. Only you can say, Hey, this, this really works for me. I don't care what people say. I don't care. You know, th- these guys poo poo it. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. And screw you. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where we're at, or that's where I'm at for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm just following my my interest, and you know, I don't really give a shit what people think. Um, can you tell us a bit about your journey into this this field? Like, you didn't really start here down this path, did you? No, no, not at all. I was um, I was a personal trainer. I used to uh, run a, a, a an LA Fitness, which is a fitness chain in in, in Phoenix, mm-hmm. Arizona, where I'm from, and before that, I was a French major, but, um, you know, astrologically, I could tell you, oh, yeah, well, I switched and I entered this period, and therefore, that's why I became interested in this stuff. <laughs> but but in, in lay terms, basically, just something said, hey, man, there's got to be more than, you know, this. there's got to be more than this. And uh, uh, I went to the Chopra Institute. I had read a couple of Deepak's books, and... Uh, and I learned that primordial sound meditation, but it was so, you know, I hate to say this, but it was so expensive. I, I didn't have the money to, to continue. And the teacher said, he was this uh, uh, Jamaican guy and incredible guy. And I, this is the first time I'm saying this on the air, but, um, and, uh, you know, he, he said, I'm going to butcher his accent, by the way. So <laughs> forgive me in advance. He said, yeah, man, you want to re- learn the real thing, you got to go to Albuquerque, right? <laughs> <laughs> which, which is where this institute is. He says, uh-huh. you, got, you got to meet Dr. Vasant Lad, him the real thing. And, uh, and that's what I did. Um, uh-huh. 
And, and he had other little pearls. Like I'd ask him, well, okay, I got to do this meditation. What if I'm in the car? You know, can I just do it in the car or in the bus? And he'd say, no man, that is extra meditation. You sit and do it. You know, you sit and do your 108. Uh, but anyway, so he pointed me in the direction of the Institute. And when I came here, just my mind was blown away because uh, they get speakers from all over the you know, world coming here and, and doing these really mind, uh, mind enhancing and uh, enlightening talks. And I said, I'm hooked. And uh, a month later, I moved, I moved down here to Albuquerque and that was it. Wow. <clears throat> that was in 98, right? That was in 98. Yeah. yeah. And Albuquerque is a weird place because, you know, it's in the middle of the Southwest. It's in one of the poorest states, but it's got some of the best instruction in like, any number of things like some of the best mixed martial artists are here yeah uh we have the best flamenco schools you know outside of spain here uh and apparently in the best ayurvedic school (laughs) so it's this weird place because you you know you look at it and you go well there's nothing here but behind the surface there's there's a lot breaking bad to albuquerque i think breaking bad yeah (laughs) oh my god you know i drive by the I drive by that car wash every day. It's, it's, it's literally five minutes from where I live. was in a meditation a, a, a while back um with sort of uh somebody who would do like little mini readings with everybody after the meditation and and she said uh i would be getting interested in ayurvedic uh medicine which was interesting mm. and she was yeah. i mean i think that was over a year ago now and it was supposed to be last fall but it's definitely come up on my radar a couple times and it's it's fascinating ayurveda is a science of life and uh it's it, it's you know, it's becoming very trendy now because a lot of these uh, neuroscientists are looking at uh, what stress does to the body, like not breathing right, uh, uh, not taking time to yourself, not relaxing, not meditating. You know, not w- when you're constantly in fight or flight, you know, cortisol runs rampant through your system, which shuts down your digestion. 
when your digestion is shut down, your liver gets stagnant, you get a stagnant liver, and all kinds of stuff starts happening, even leading to cancer, you know, because toxins are circulating through your system. Ayurveda's basic mantra is clean up your digestion, everything else will take care of itself. Mm. I mean, you know, clean up your liver, clean up your your metab- your ability to digest, not not even just food, but life experience. So if someone, you know, throws throws a ball at you all of a sudden, you don't go, ah! You know, you don't freak right. out. You right. catch it and you go, here you go. You can throw it back to them. Like your body's not in that mode of stress where like everything is a threat, but and, you're living from a space of calm. And, yeah. and that starts with um, your physical uh, relaxation uh, before, yeah. before, before diet or? Yeah, it starts with, you know, the physical affects the mental and the mental affects the physical. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, experts from every field are sort of really talking about this, even body language. Like, you know, I was reading this very interesting body language study. For, you know, did you know that when you, when you don't, when someone, you're talking to someone and their feet don't face you, means they're really not interested in what you're saying. Like they want they want you know their body's saying I want to move that way away from you. So if you know and this is useful for guys to be looking at everybody's feet all the time. <laughs> when when you're talking to them, right? Like are, are are their feet facing me? Are they really like engaging with me or are they just kind of talking to me to just to finish the conversation? Mm. So the point is that the body affects the mind and and how you eat, what you eat has an impact on how you feel. And, 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 and what you think even. And Ayurveda says, absolutely, but also the reverse is true. What you think and what you say and the mantras you say also have an impact on the body. So it's basically one system. It's space-time. You know, it's not just space anymore. It's not just time. They're one thing. That's the same idea as like affirmations. Yeah, and yet you can tell yourself a million affirmations, but if your body is clogged, they, they, they can't get to where they need to go. They can't go down those neural pathways and enter deep into the heart of the cell if that cell is blocked with toxic mucoid sludge, which in Ayurveda is called ama. So I've written about this in, in my second book, 10 Steps to Clearing Ama. And ama is this term that means like, you know that white, sticky mucus stuff that's on your tongue in the morning when you get up? Yep. That comes up from, from within, from inside, and that's, you know, you got to scrape that off every morning. You got to get rid of that. Uh, when you can wake up with a clean, rosy, pink th- tongue and no bad breath, then your ama's gone. Then you're pretty, that's a good sign. And, and I like, <laughs> it's like, you know, when you watch movies and, and you watch the couple that just fell in love and they wake up in the morning and they start making out, kissing. yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking, man, those guys must be healthy because, <laughs> you know, no bad breath. You know, they're just they're feeling good. But that's, you know, that silver screen ideal is it really is an ideal that, that we can attain to. And Ayurveda says that the, the root cause of most disease is toxicity in the body, this toxic mucoid sludge that brings down your immunity so that when you're exposed to toxins in the environment, your body falls prey. Whereas somebody else, they might be exposed to the same germs, but because their immune system is up, the body can handle it and nothing happens. 
Which, so AMA, this toxic mucoid sludge, is, is the root cause of all disease, according to Ayurveda. And when you know what to do about it and how to sort of clean yourself routinely, then everything else seems to line up. Relationships start working better just because you're more even-minded, you're more relaxed. There's not as much stress you know, in your life, even though you might be, be working 10 hours a day. Um, so, so Ayurveda get- is a thing. So give us the top, like the top sort of few things, three things you would, you would do to detoxify like that. Like, like, like get, get granular for a second. Give us, you got it. You got it. And they're all easy. So number one, three square meals. Uh, this is, this goes against everything that I learned when I was a trainer. Uh, and I, you know, I, I took all these advanced certifications and training. And where they tell you eat six meals a day, you know, you got to constantly feed your body protein. Ayurveda says, no, that's bull. Three meals a day, no snacking. All right. So what does that do? When you eat three square meals, and I call this the eat as much as you want diet, because you sit, you eat, say at lunch, you eat as much as it's going to take to get you to dinner, but no snacks in between. Hmm. So what happens there is it's like you, you've loaded the dishwasher, you've turned on the, the cycle, and you just let it do its thing. You don't an hour later, you know, throw in an extra candy bar or a, uh, you know, a potato chip or a dirty plate in this case, in this metaphor, into the machine and then start it up again because you just you just screwed up the cycle. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that could be my problem right now, actually. If yeah. you try this, now I got to tell you, it takes two to three days for the body to go, what? <laughs> and figure it out. It doesn't take long, but it does take two to three days. So the first day or two, you're going to be missing your snack. Right. You just have to power through that. And then you learn how much you need to eat at lunch and at breakfast to get you to lunch and at lunch to get you to dinner. And your body will figure that out pretty quick. And once it does, man, it's it's just amazing. Like you feel clean in between. There's no drop of energy around, you know, the afternoon. You're just, you just smooth. You, you, you go smooth through the day without grazing. I mean, we're not cattle, you know, we're not livestock, uh, that we need to be constantly grazing on munching on something. I like to graze. (laughs) (laughs) So can, can you still have dessert? Like can the candy bar just become part of dinner? It's part of dinner. It's part of lunch. It, it, this really is the eat as much as you want diet because, you know, at the end of lunch, just have your dessert. But mm. that's it. Once, once you know, you know, I saw an interview uh, on, on Jay Leno when, when he was on and he had uh, Stallone and, you know, he was asking him, you know, how do you get fit? <coughs> Excuse me. How do you get fit for these Rocky movies? And still, I can't, you know, Stallone, I can't do his accent, but it's like. <laughs> Well, you know, Jay, you take, a piece, you take a piece of fishing wire and a needle and you sew your freaking mouth shut. That's how you do it. <laughs> and, and, but he's right. You know, he was right because this comes from his life experience. You just shut your mouth and you don't eat between meals. You just, that's it. Um, so that's tip number one is eat three square meals and and how do you know, and, and there's a little corollary to that. In the morning when you wake up, let's say you have a very white tongue and, and, and bad breath and you're burping up last night's dinner. Right. Well, your body's still digesting. If, if it's still burping up that dinner, then it's still trying to make it 
you know, to digest it. So then you got to skip breakfast or just have some light juice or, you know, an apple or something, but don't go eating bacon and, 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 and pancakes and like this pile huge head on. Yeah. Don't pile yeah. it on. Yeah. So, so your body will tell you when you need to eat. Hmm. Ayurveda says, let food be your medicine and let your medicine be your food. Okay. And, and so treat that food just like medicine. Like, you know, you're going to overdose if, if you eat when your body's still trying to cycle that dinner you had last night. So what about the, these modern foods that we're eating full of preservatives and all this unnatural crap? Like, obviously, try to stick with natural stuff? Well, yeah. So you know what I'm going to say about that. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a stress to your system. Yeah. But I got, I got to tell you, Ayurveda also says that when you have that when you've cleared out this ama from your body and you've stoked your digestive fire, you can digest anything. Don't you know people who like eat hot dogs? And, and I, I knew people like this because I worked with athletes. And man, yeah. they, could, they could pile in all the junk food <laughs> and just burn it. Yeah. You know, and it, with, with no seemingly no bad effects, although it does add up in the, in the yeah. end. Yeah. So when your digestive fire is strong, you can actually handle a lot of these toxins in the environment, uh, including from your food and water uh, and, and the air. But Ayurveda says the key is get your immunity and your digestion up. That's the key. Then don't worry so much about what's in the air and what's in the water. That's second. Yes, you still want to make sure you're having clean, good food, obviously. Can I trade breakfast for a couple of snacks? Can you trade breakfast? Yeah, so breakfast, so if you don't have breakfast and your first meal is lunch, then the snack will become like your bedtime snack. Yeah, well, that's another thing. So bedtime, <laughs> uh, yeah, so bedtime, if you stay up past 10, you're definitely going to get the munchies again. Yeah. Just because that's that's the, the body cycling again. It goes into a high enzymatic cycle between 10 to 2, both during the day and at night. So the midnight snack phenomenon is a real thing. It, and, and people beat themselves up because now it's like 1 a.m. or 12 a.m. And they're like, man, I'm just hungry, but I know I shouldn't eat and blah, blah, blah. If you stay up till then, just know that you're going to have to have something. And don't beat yourself up about it. So what I recommend is, you know, have some chocolate milk, have a like a, a – a protein-rich, but also some carbohydrates, something nourishing, but not heavy. Like and, then, a, and then if oh. it feels, and then you might have to skip. Like if you're doing that, then you you kind of skip through breakfast sometimes or whatever. Well, see how you feel. Yeah. yeah. If you're still burping that, or um, you know, if you're if you're still feeling heavy and not hungry, yeah. But if you're ravenous in the morning, well, just because Simon said so, you know. You got to listen to your body, not right. not what anybody, including me or any doctor, is telling. You got to listen to your body, but you have to also recognize what your body's really saying. Because sometimes hunger is thirst or boredom. Yeah, or but, insecurity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hunger is a response to to different uh, different signals in the body, and one of those is really thirst. So the second tip, and this is huge. This. <laughs> And listen, I'm not selling anything here, but this is from my experience. This is huge. Uh, drink water 15 minutes before you eat. Okay. So what that does is there's a bicarbonate layer in the stomach that is the buffer basically for all the hydrochloric acid. Otherwise, acid would burn your stomach lining. 
So when that bicarbonate layer, and it's 70% water, right? So when there's not enough water in your body, that layer is thin, and then the stomach knows it's thin, so it won't secrete acid because it will burn itself. When you drink a tall glass of water, 8 to 16 ounces, before 15 to 20 minutes before you eat, that will, will puff up that bicarbonate layer, and then the stomach will get signaled, oh, shoot, there's plenty of buffer here. I'm going to punch, I'm going to uh, put in more acid. So that's, that's what you want. You want a ton of hydrochloric acid. That's why people take these enzymes, digestive enzymes. Mm-hmm. Well, sh- well, you can ma- have your body produce its own enzymes by just drinking water before you eat. Then while you're eating, don't try not to have any water. Or, or after too, right? Or, or after. Because the stomach acid in your, the acid in your stomach has a pH of around 2. 1.92 is sort of the ideal. The pH of water is over 7, which means it's much more uh, alkaline. So you don't want to dilute that acid with anything. Maybe a glass of wine is okay. And, that, and that's typically why people drink wine because it helps you digest your food. But you don't need wine if you do this right. So if you have water 15 minutes before each meal. In fact, there was a study just done on uh, overweight uh, uh, teenagers. And they had them do this. Before every meal, they drink 16 ounces of water. Hmm. And, and, and the other and follow the same diet. Then there was a control group. Guess who lost a ton of weight? The, the ones drinking the water, partly because they were hydrating themselves, partly because they were creating hydrochloric acid that digested their food. So there wasn't any, you know, that food actually went to where those nutrients go, went. Yeah. Where, the water yeah. probably replaced soda pop too. And that's, yeah, very <laughs> smart. Warriors, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. So, so water before meals and then water also first thing when you get up. So after you scrape your tongue of all that gooey stuff, you want to drink a tall glass of water, 8 to 16 ounces on, on an empty stomach. Then see how hungry you are because then that will be the, a real sing, signal for hunger. You know, Don't just get up and start eating right away because it might be that your body is just thirsty, not hungry. Oh, okay. Interesting. So those are a couple tips. Or coffee water. Yeah, what, what's your thought about coffee quickly? I don't want to get you too off track here, but. Uh, well, coffee, you know, coffee is great. It, everything is great. You know, one of my mentors used to say, nothing is good or bad except thinking makes it so. And, um, you know, uh, drinking coffee with some fat like butter or ghee is really good. Huh. Uh, so it's kind of a thing now, I guess. I mean, I was looking this up. This is a. Uh, that's uh, fucking bulletproof. The bulletproof diet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's actually based in Ayurveda. This is they've been doing this in Tibet for thousands of years. Uh, uh, when you add ghee or fat to the coffee, it it reduces its negative side effects and it it actually helps to kind of lubricate your insides because that oil from the butter, um, uh, believe it or not, your gut produces butyric acid. Uh, from vegetables. Uh, butyric acid is basically butter. So your gut, your flora, actually make butter in your, in your intestines. So when you, when you eat that, it's actually good, but um, it's all the other stuff the butter comes with it that can be a problem. So when you have it with coffee, you're basically just oleating your intestines. And it's really, it's actually pretty good for you. I mean, 
anything in excess is a problem. But if you have one cup a day like that, it's um, yeah, I, I'm for it. I never tried butter in my coffee. I know we got to try that. that is? I, I got no. some butter upstairs and some coffee. No, but it's got to be like uh, grass-fed, uh, unsalted butter. You probably don't have that type. Butter, yeah, it butter. should be grass. It should be unsalted for sure, unless you like salty coffee. And, uh, but the grass-fed is good because it has five times as much CLA conjugated linoleic acids, and it's just better for you. I mean, just hands down. Uh, and then put it in a blender. That's that's the way. Otherwise, the butter will sit on top as this kind of oily goo, <laughs> and it's not very appealing. Uh, and I'm not a coffee drinker. With I'm hot not coffee. I guess. Yeah, yeah hot coffee. Yeah. Yeah, with hot. But yeah. you know, you could try it with lukewarm coffee, and or because once it's mixed, no, I wouldn't add ice to it because the butter will just yeah, it, it won't work with iced coffee. That's okay. I like hot coffee. Yeah. So uh, coffee is not a problem. It's it's the body's ability to do what it does with the coffee that's the problem. So if your liver is so stressed because your kids are yelling and your you know homework assignment's not finished and you didn't sleep enough last night, then yeah, that cup of coffee is definitely going to add to your woes. It's going to add to your problems. All right. So what's number three? <laughs> so uh, so number one was food. Number you know, number three, you could say, is take triphala. Have you guys heard of triphala? Uh, just. So triphala is this little miracle herbal compound that's super inexpensive. Uh, it's like $8 for a pound of it. And it's composed of three, uh, these three herbs um, that basically clean anything they touch. So you can wash your you can wash your hair with it. You can wash your car with it, uh, but it's really designed to clean out your insides. So triphala powder, half a teaspoon at night, every night, will help to keep your GI tract balanced. And one of its ingredients is is this little green fruit that's dried up. And this little green fruit called amalaki is the world's highest concentration of heat-soluble vitamin C of any food on the planet. Uh, it's pretty amazing stuff, and it grows kind of wild in India. You can just kind of eat it. Uh, and it's super sour, <laughs> but, but, and the powder tastes nasty. It's horrible tasting. But, so, so how do you spell triphala? T-R-I-P-H-O-L-A? P-H-A-L-A. Okay. And you can Google it. I mean, there's yeah. a ton of studies done on it. It helps with, you know, helps prevent colon cancer. It, 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 I mean, you can do amazing things with triphala. You can even create an eye wash with it. You can, uh, mm-hmm. but, but it, half a teaspoon at night will help to balance your gut. Okay. So these three things, if you, I mean, there's more. I mean, I got a ton more. But if you just try these three things and follow this for two weeks, your body will notice the difference. Okay. I'm going to do it. I, mean, I, need, right. I need something right now. I'm sort of going through a phase where I'm tired and gaining a little bit of weight. I can't seem to exercise enough. It's just uh, yeah, Darren, sh- up, Darren shaking his head over here. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of a vicious circle because, you know, you, you know you have to exercise, but exercise makes you even more stressed out and more tired. And you're like, you get on this, you know, no pun intended, this treadmill that just kind of drives you deeper into the hole. So, you know, if you, 
the hardest thing will be the diet, just eating three meals a day. Yeah, yeah. that's and the hardest thing for sure. Uh, until you figure that out, like where your balance is, you know, the first couple of days, it'll be hard. But I'm telling you, it just takes about three days. I'll just replace the snacks with cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? Cigarettes have their place. Look at George Burns. I don't know if you guys know George Burns. He used to smoke two, guitar, uh, two guitars, two cigars a night, a day. The comedian, and he lived, right? Yeah. The comedian, yeah. You know, again, Ayurveda says everything is medicine and everything is poison. It depends on how your body uh, reacts to it. Mm. Okay, so there's a piece of this puzzle then, the relaxation part. So what do you recommend for, <clears throat> you know, uh, methods of relaxation? Like, is there a specific type of meditation you like to do? Is it yoga? Like, So, yeah, so in, in yoga, the real meditation Yogi's new meditation was hard because, you know, you sit down and you start thinking about your laundry list and this and that. And boy, what did I say to that girl? I wish she thinks I'm an idiot now. And like, you know, your mind is just working all the time. So instead of trying to meditate, they, they, they said, you know what? It's too hard. <laughs> Let's just do breathing exercises. Because they noticed that after exercise or after a breathing exercise, just meditation happens spontaneously. Like you just go into the zone and uh, like Joseph Campbell, uh, the famous uh, educator and myth, you know, on um, uh, yeah, yeah, that Joseph there. Campbell, yeah. um, he said, my peak experiences came through sports. Hmm. He used to run, he used to run track. And this is a guy who studied every religion on the planet and lived with natives in New Guinea and, I mean, did all this stuff. But he said, my peak experiences, spiritual experiences, came when I was running track. So the yogis knew this. And they said, listen, instead of trying to force ourselves to be calm and pretend we're calm, let's figure out the exercises and the techniques to do that. So the first one is uh, just deep diaphragmatic breathing. Um, uh, and I, you know, I don't know how much time you guys have to talk about this, but, um, uh, are we okay on time? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when you breathe deep into the lower lobes of the lungs, you activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the opposite of fight or flight. So let's say, uh, let's say somebody came up behind you, Darren, and just kind of grabbed grabbed you first thing you do is you go <gasps> you take that quick yeah. shallow breath well what happens is uh, most of us we kind of live like that we live in this quick shallow breathing we never breathe deep that quick shallow breath activates the sympathetic nervous system which then uses sugar as a fuel because it's fast burning to get you out of trouble right but um the problem is that 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 tends to sort of keep keep running all the time throughout our day. So what we want to do is breathe into the lower lobes of the lungs, which activates the parasympathetic, the relaxation response. When you're breathing shallow, it also shuts down your digestive system because you don't need to be digesting if a tiger's after your ass, right? You got to just get the heck out of there, right? I mean, and it's just how the body is built, but there's so much stress in the environment that we're kind of stuck in that state. So anyway, the breathing is uh, breathing deep down into your lungs. So 
at a very basic, basic level, you can just kind of put your hands on your lungs, on the lower lungs, and push out your hands with, your, with the air as you breathe in. Mm-hmm. So as you breathe in, just kind of feel your hands coming out. You feel that? Yeah, it does actually. It goes deeper right away. Yeah. Yes. So that's just basic, basic breathing, um, uh, diaphragmatic breathing. Then the next step is to learn uh, yogic breathing, which is as you breathe like that, when you exhale, you cons- constrict your epiglottis. Uh, and you make this sound. So it sounds like this. I'm exhaling. Yeah. And this is the breath that they do in yoga classes called Ujjayi. Uh, Dr. John, du- John Duyard, this doctor uh, uh, in, in Colorado, calls it Darth Vader breath. Yeah. There's always a couple of people in yoga class that are really loud at that. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's super annoying. Yeah. It's super annoying. <laughs> I can only you know, go so loud. I'm like, how do they do it that loud? No, you shouldn't do it loud. That's 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 just they want attention. Oh. Have a head rush. <laughs> or, or or right or they're 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 really opening up and it's like wow. Like no, it can be a good thing, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Usually for attention. Yeah. Probably so, not. Yeah. <laughs> but Dr. John Duyard, who wrote a book called Body, Mind, and Sport, which I recommended to each one of my clients when I was working in fitness. Uh, he, he talks about this Darth Vader breath and he taught it to firefighters mm. who have to, you know, they use these oxygen tanks and go into burning buildings and they reduce their oxygen consumption by like some crazy number. Uh, I think it was like 60% or it, it, I, I don't know the exact figure. Um, and you know, he's taught it to all kinds of, uh, to athletes he used to be a, a work for the New Jersey Nets and uh, and he teaches it to elite athletes because it puts you in this deep calm state even while you're in the middle of like a hurricane of action mm. and he calls it the eye of the hurricane like you are calm while everything around you is crazy that's when time so, slows down and, and you're in yeah. the mm. and, and the yogi said when you breathe like this those moments of being in the zone will increase for you. When you exercise, if you try this just sitting down, you'll get a head rush because you do. Yeah, I, just got, I just got a head rush. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm feeling you. I'm feeling you. So the reason is because it really oxygenates your body. So you want to do this while you're moving, while you're doing exercise. Uh, one, so the exercise doesn't stress you out, so it creates a calm clear fat burning state fat burning is when your parasympathetic system is activated you burn sugar when your sympathetic system uh and and the second reason is uh the second reason is so you can access the the anabolic states when you're in a parasympathetic mode your your body's building muscle rather than breaking it down so there's so many reasons to breathe this way and, and these neurochemists and neuroscientists are just coming out with all these studies that show uh, they sort of corroborate this, and I'm sitting there thinking, "Yep, good, good thing, good." I think You're I actually up. remember doing that sometimes when I was like playing hockey before. I'd like breathe through the sides of my teeth, like breathe around my teeth. Huh. Yeah, down. that's 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 a good way to cool off too when you breathe through your teeth. So, so there are a lot of so that's ujjayi breath, and that's sort of the second step. And there are other breathing techniques you can do to really 
put your body in this calm meditative state. Now, Ujjayi is not going to put you into a meditative state. It's, it's meant to revive your body. If you want to go into a meditative state, you practice alternate nostril breath. Yeah, um, I've done some yoga classes. Of, they do that. Or was yeah. it med- No, I think I was in a in a meditation that did that. Yeah. What do you plug the other one? Yeah, you do like back and forth, nostril to nostril, and yeah. So I can. So I'll sh- I'll show you a way. You don't even have to use your hands. You can. This is your homework. If you're going to do this okay. for the next week, yeah, then then I'm going to give you this homework, and it's super easy. So this is an alternate nostril breath, except you don't plug the nostrils with your hands. You do this just using your consciousness, your imagination. So what you're going to, so as you're going to breathe in, you're going to imagine that you're just breathing in from the left nostril and just feel the air. Mm. It, it may be that your left nostril is plugged. It doesn't matter. It's your attention that's going there. So pretend, now this is great to do when you're walking to work, walking in the park. Uh, uh, It's actually nice walking, breathing. I call it yogic jogging because you can do it basically anytime and nobody knows you're doing it. (laughs) So as you're walking or even just sitting, just breathe in and picture the breath going through your left nostril up to your pineal gland. And then just kind of exploding there in light or just, you know, you can visualize light being in there as, as these particles. You can visualize it as a particle or as a wave of just, you know, brilliant, beautiful light. And then as you exhale, see that go out your right nostril. Mm-hmm. And then inhale again now through the right. And you're inhaling in. Again, it doesn't matter where the actual air or oxygen is going. It, it what matters is where your attention is because what you're working here is what the Chinese call qi. This is your uh, qi or prana in in Sanskrit is or it, it, it's your vital air, it's your vital breath, and and it has doesn't have that much to do with the oxygen you're actually breathing. So now you're breathing in through the right, let it mingle in your third eye, and just let it go. You don't force it; just breathe normal. Mm-hmm. Practice this five to ten minutes a day. Could you do it while you're lying in bed, sort of before you go to sleep? Is that a good time? Yeah, you could do it while you're talking to Simon on the radio. Yeah, yeah, we were, we were, <laughs> or we were trying. And, yeah. And uh, what will happen is, after about five minutes, something really cool happens. Like you get in this very tranquil state, like almost like you're kind of have a contact high, or like you, it's it. It's amazing. It's you almost feel not stoned, but like you're in an alternate. Yeah, yeah, like like you're in an alternate uh, uh, sort of brainwave. Yeah, and then meditation just happens. Yeah, I was already in an alternate brainwave. (laughs) So that's 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 awesome. I'm going to try that. Um, So I hate to keep you here long, but can I? I did get a text from my mom. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. About my yeah. time, so would it be possible to do a quick little? Uh... Yeah, let's take a look. Okay, me, okay, man. thanks, man. I appreciate it. And I also, oh. before I forget, I also want to check if uh, if if you do these types of sessions like over Skype with people, that type of thing. Like, is that oh, something yeah. I could do later on too? Like, get a full reading from you via yeah, like Skype. You bet, you bet. I do this uh, for 
clients all over the world. And um, I don't do it during the school year because I teach a lot. But now yeah. that the school year is almost over, I am starting to see clients again. Okay, cool. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that too. I'll schedule something with you and we'll have like a, a full session. That'll be interesting. Awesome. Okay, so my birthday is July 11th. July 11th, uh-huh. 1970. Mm-hmm. 5.36 a.m. Mm-hmm. And Montreal. Montreal. So you speak French? No. No, I, I, uh, I did when I was younger, and then we moved out west, and I kind of rebelled in school against the French class. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Terrible. <laughs> so you're born <laughs> right at... That's all I know. Bonjour, bonjour. Comment ça va? All right, let's see what's going so on. So right at 5.36, yeah. It seemed like a morning birth. Uh, you seem like early morning type of guy. Yeah, apparently people say that there's something about like when you're born in the morning that you have this uh, this thing for early mornings or it affects the way your day goes or something like that. Well, it's uh, so when you're born early morning, you have the sun in your ascendant and in uh, the ascendant is basically what the rising sign and what, what was rising when you were born. And uh, what that means is that people look, the sun is, is the king, it's the leader. So people look to you for leadership, whether you want them to or not. And usually mm. probably get sick of people asking you, hey, what should I do about this? Or, uh, But having the sun in the ascendant tends to make you uh, basically uh, believe in setting your own destiny. Like, hey, whatever I put my mind to, I can freaking do it. And uh, uh, it, it gives you a sense of, uh, it's self-empowering. It's a good thing. It, uh, and but people do tend to look for you to you for your opinion. Like, well, what do you think about this? Now, okay. So let's see. You're uh, da, 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 Gemini rising. Got Mercury in the second house. Um, did you have a, a like acne when you were younger? Skin uh, skin issues? Uh, nope. No, no skin issues. Mars Mercury in the second usually gives skin issues or it gives a a love of uh, um, like verbal debate or uh, uh, even martial arts. This this no. is I had a uh, larger left breast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for going there. Um, I mean, let's see. Well, that's interesting. Uh, all right. Well, you're an I was educator. a wrestler. I, I wrestled for a little bit in, in high school. But. You wrestled for a little bit, Just but bit. Yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, okay, so you're, you are an educator type, according to me, uh, according to this chart. Now, um, let me see. If you were born five, about five minutes later, that would change it. So you're sure it's 5.36 in the morning? Yeah, that's what she says. July 11th, 1970? Yeah. Okay. Just, just making sure. Uh, so according to this, you're an, um, more of an educator type? You're you're an likely an educator. Uh, let me let me just double double up here. Well, or possibly a laborer. Okay. It, it's one of those two. You're not an outsider, according to this chart. Damn. Um, damn. And were you the one who was saying that you saw yourself? In yeah. Each one of them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Uh, oh, interesting because if you were born a few minutes later, you would be an outsider. That would be your type, but. I don't want to speculate. Let me just kind of describe to you what, sure, what yeah, this chart, yeah. chart is about. You're an educator. You just entered a merchant period, uh, da, 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 which means that it's time to sell what you know. Uh, 
time to put your wisdom on the on the auction block. Um, because uh, what I'm doing here is I'm looking at your, you have a Dharma type, but you also have planetary, different life cycles that you go through. And uh, the life cycles sort of tell us, okay, what's appropriate at this time? Like, what what can you expect at this time? Mm-hmm. Um, so, fourth house. Uh, love your mom. Mom, more in the fourth house, but so, um, well, okay, we're on the air, so I don't want to get personal here, but um, yeah, uh, so as an educator type, your job is is to share wisdom with the world. That's it. Uh, let me ask you this, though, before I pronounce you an educator. Um, do you get sometimes when you're just sitting at a bus stop or, or, or just, you know, hanging out, people kind of come up to you and just start telling you their story. Like, man, I just broke up with my boyfriend and, 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 you know, he was a real jerk and, or, or who are you? I don't even know why I'm talking to you, but you f- sort of feel kind of safe and secure. I, like, I feel like I can talk to you. Yeah, you definitely, get- definitely. People feel safe around me and they open up for sure. People tend to open up and they, they seek your counsel. Like there, there's something about you that's non-threatening. And, yeah, definitely. Uh, Okay. Darren, well, <laughs> Darren's laughing, but I'm sure deep down he'd agree. <laughs> now, now here's the thing. Now, well, the thing about educators is that, you know, we try to be kind of puff up. You know, I used to do mixed martial arts and all this stuff, but like, I never want to hurt anybody. Like it just wasn't in me like to be super cruel and which is why I wasn't really ever good at it. <laughs> but, uh, Hello? Did you click the power button down there? The uh, a sign that uh, whatever I was going to say should probably be said in private. <laughs> okay, we can wait for that. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, uh, you know, the for you as an educator, your role is to bring wisdom, even if it's, you know, whatever job you do, you could be driving a cab. And, you know, when people get in there, you'd be like, hey, how's it going? You know, you see that building? You know that that was built in 1947. And, boy, interesting story. You know, the architect and people are like, oh, my God, what? who is this guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that desire to share information with others is just it, – it's born in you. And, and whatever level you do it at, you don't have to be a school teacher, but you have to do that. Mm-hmm. And And – that in turn means that you yourself has to be have to be constantly learning, reading the paper, uh, doing crossword puzzles, uh, reading journals, whatever it is. Yeah, that explains this podcast a little bit. I mean, I've got a wide range of interests that, uh, <clears throat> yeah, and I'm definitely always trying to learn something. And, and the thing about educators is educators are the renaissance men and women of, of the world. They know a little bit about everything. So you could talk about, you know, uh, coffee roasting in, in Kenya and you can talk about, you know, uh, cricket in India. Uh, the, one of the problems with that though, is they're, they're a little bit too much everywhere. So learning to discipline yourself and find your specialty is also useful hmm. if you're an educator type. Yeah. Very cool. So these are very general things, but you know, that's, that's what this chart is showing that you're an educator, but you're in a merchant period, which means 
uh, uh, finding wa- ways to monetize your information is good, even though you may be like totally against that. Yeah, that makes sense too. Like it's time to, to put yourself out there commercially. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of uh, imminent. <laughs> yeah, good good deal. How long have uh, have you had the the show? If I we might ask, just coming up on a year now. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it's been flowing pretty good. It's been sort of just, uh, yeah, we just sort of went for it, and it sort of just happened. It's just been going. Good deal, man. Yeah. Well, I'll, you know, I'll uh, uh, I like what you do, and uh, I'll, I'll try to promote it any way I can. Yeah, we'd like to really thank you for taking the time to come on and and my uh, pleasure. Fill us in. Yeah, it's been a blast. You guys are mountain time too, right? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Cal- yeah, Simon, this has been a like a super fun, like one of my favorite episodes. Um, it's just been really interactive, and yeah, we want to thank you for staying on so long with us too. Oh, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Um, and in fact, we've got students from uh, here from uh, BC and from Saskatchewan, so they they've been uh, p- pushing for me to go out there and do some talks. So we'll see. Ah. Twenty. 20- 2015, I might be in your area. Yeah, keep, yeah. let us know and we'll help promote that or whatever. We'll get some people for sure. Awesome. awesome. Maybe we'll Great. do a Grimericon one day. <laughs> <laughs> so before we let you go, though, what, what um, we're going to link to your book. We're going to link to uh, you know your websites, all that kind of stuff. Is there anything else uh, you want us to say, how people can get a hold of you or what, where you're traveling to for conferences coming up? Yeah, so uh, the book is on Amazon, so you can just put a link to Amazon. That would be great. That would be awesome. Uh, my website is is still kind of a little tiny author website, but they can take the test. You can learn a lot more about the Dharma types on my site. Uh, that's spirittype.com. Yep. Um, and this summer, I've only got a few dates. I'll be in Florida giving a few talks and in Ohio. Um, and... Um, then we're off to India for a little bit. So I don't have a lot planned uh, this summer yet. Uh, we'll be in Denver at this huge New Age conference. Uh, uh, I don't know if you, uh, I forget, IAST, I forget what the initials are, but it's the, the biggest uh, conference for New Age psychic kind of stuff in the Southwest. And I'll be there promoting. It's uh, June 28th through the 30th, I believe. And it's open to the public. It's like this big, uh, I don't know, like, like New Age Expo kind of thing. New Age, exactly. That's I've been it. looking for an excuse to go to Denver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, Colorado. <laughs> Boy, it pot is big business there now, man. I just saw a story about these guys that they don't have anything to do with pot. They just run limousine tours to all the, the shops. Wow. And, I mean, there's so many opportunities, you know, around that legalization. That what was it called? <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? If you just Google online, you know, pot tour. Limo I'm sure pot find, tour. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you'll find. If you can smoke find in it. the limo. Yeah, they they take they take you to where like you know different cool sites where they sell it, make it, and so on. Already, it's been like four months. Just <laughs> fucking, there's already tours. Yeah. Oh, it's big business. They've got like a, 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 a billions in dollars i want to say in 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 excess revenue now that they don't know what to do with you know in tax money uh you know it's amazing it's amazing hopefully something beside build bombs 
Yeah, well, yeah, I don't think they'll build bombs in Denver. At least I hope not. Gosh, Colorado's supposed to be a bastion of kind of Rocky Mountain uh, uh, forward-thinking kind of a philosophy. But who knows? Yeah. I don't. I'm not from there. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thanks a lot, eh? Um, My pleasure. We'll be, yeah, eh? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> well, you are Canadian. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll be I'll be in touch. I want to I want to uh, spend some time with you and get a, a a detailed reading done there. So All right, you bet. You bet. Great talking to you guys. Welcome back to the Great America Show. That was our chat with Simon Chikoisky. Yeah, that was a good one. That was fun, eh? Yeah, it was a fun one. Loads of fun. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a uh, personal uh, reading from him soon. I believe it. I know you do. One hundred percent believe that. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to his next book coming out. Are you still doing the diet? Yeah. Yeah. I tried butter uh, in my coffee, but. Oh, did you? Yeah, it wasn't for me. I bought a blender just to do that. How did it work? Are you supposed to blend it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not well. It was kind of greasy. My problem is getting uh, the sugar out of my coffee, like the sweetness. Like right now, I put lots of honey in it, which is good, but... I yeah. put sugar, which is even better. Not for you, buddy. But it's delicious. So is honey. It's pretty delicious too. But no, I've been trying to drink the water 15 minutes before the meal and then no snacking. And actually I do feel better and I feel like I'm digesting better and stuff. So it's uh, but it's a fucking challenge. Cause I'll tell you what happens is I can no longer rush around snacking and eating. I actually have to plan out a meal, spend more time eating. Like it's, it's kind of thrown kinks into my normal schedule. Right. And actually just not snacking while I'm bored. So it's kind of becoming a healthier way just to, to live in a way like know when you're going to eat drink some water before you eat and then spend your time eating your meal and your dessert and not like just flying around yeah you might might end up um filling that time snacking with more productive stuff now at this time you know instead of and planning your meals out take that little bit of extra time but you uh don't waste that time snacking yeah more productive yeah i'm more of a grazer I like to graze, dabble, <laughs> try a little this, a little that. Yeah, but you're young enough where you don't really need to worry about it so much. I am young enough. I'm young enough, smart enough. Gosh darn it, people like me. <laughs> That's what I say to myself in the mirror every morning before I go to work. Is that your Dharma type? That's my, uh, what's that? Affirmation. Pathetic. What? What movie is that from? That's from Saturday Night Live, isn't it? 
Oh, maybe. Or uh, SCTV. Yeah, maybe SCTV. Yeah. 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 I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. <laughs> Back in the day. Was that that's Jim when, Carrey? No, that no, was the other one, right? Yeah, that that's was when affirmations color. were becoming popular, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Those are powerful. Yeah. I believe it. Always cry in the shower. No, I want to thank Simon for coming on. It was, like I said, it was it was great. And um, I love that stuff, that Eurovedic stuff. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to getting a little deeper into it. Yugas. Yeah. And Yugas. you know this. Yeah, well, thanks for listening. Thanks, Simon. Of course, thanks for uh, an exciting first year. Yeah. And, um, of course, as always, you'll find the links to everything we talked about in the show notes and all the music and all that jazz check out the money bomb check out efrain's book yep check out uh, our contact page on gramerica.ca and uh spam gram my email is g-r-a-h-a-m at gramerica.com yep and if you have uh, nothing to say then just forward him some spam of your own all and right make, guys. make a comment on the website too on the uh, episodes or the blogs yeah comment on the blogs read the blogs we got some uh, some great writers there so um right yeah, on, buddy. do all that things and uh we'll see you guys in year two looking forward to year two i quit view so clear vision fiber optic at the rules of oak just before my promise too smooth and i ain't even trying walk the line no past just appearance voice boom like the crack from my thunder stick play it tough because i'm just too fucking sensitive See
Trust all world rise from the dust. 